0: The following is a President's Chapel given by Dr. W. Robert Godfrey. For more information about this lecture or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474, wscal.edu. 888-480-8474. Please turn with me again to Psalm 105. Uh, Last time we were together, uh, we looked at the opening of Psalm 105, the call to praise as a model of praise for us, and now we want to go on to what we might call the second stanza of this song of praise, where the psalmist begins to uh, look particularly at the foundation for that call to praise. Um, Let's read the first 11 verses of Psalm 105. O give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Tell of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Abraham, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance." So far the reading of God's word. Those opening verses of praise call us to praise God for all his wondrous works, uh, for all that he has done, uh, for all his miracles and all his judgments. And yet after that opening call to praise, in general, uh, the psalm becomes quite specific in its focus and reflects on how the foundation of our praise, at least for this psalm and this occasion, is God's covenant with his people. Uh, These verses, uh, seven through 11, um, are, for those of you uh, inclined to literary analysis, a chiasm in which the subject of covenant is central. And the word covenant Uh, is used explicitly three times in these few verses and various synonyms for covenant are also used. So praise is for everything God does. But in this psalm, praise begins to focus specifically on the covenant that God has given with his people. And the particular focus of that covenantal um, joy that the psalmist calls us to is the certainty of God's covenant. Uh, the faithfulness of God to his covenant. Uh, you remember that these opening verses of Psalm 105 were first recorded at the time David celebrated the coming of the ark into Jerusalem in 1 Chronicles chapter 16. And in that context, what uh, David was clearly saying was uh, look at the covenant faithfulness of the Lord. We praise him because the God who promised Abraham to give his people a nation has fulfilled that promise as we see this day. Uh, We have the land, we have the capital, we now have the Ark of the Covenant in the capital and praise God for his great faithfulness uh, to his covenant and to his people. But as I said last time, the Quotation of these words here in Psalm 105 is in a very different context. And uh, the whole fourth book of the Psalter is a reflection on the apparent failure of God's promises, the apparent collapse of the nation, the loss of the capital and the temple. What are we to think in those circumstances? How are we to reflect then? We sang uh, Psalm 89. Psalm 89 is a great reflection on that tension in the life of Israel, that tension in the experience and therefore in the praise of God's people. The first part of Psalm 89 is a celebration of the absolute certainty of God's promises. And then the last part of Psalm 89 is a reflection on why do those Psalm's promises seem to have failed? And so Psalm 105 picks up the praise of the victory that David experienced, but now is refocusing them in the context of struggle, in the context of apparent failure. And what the psalmist is doing here in Psalm 105 is reminding us that even when it is not obvious that God is faithful to his covenant, he remains faithful to his covenant. And that's an important lesson for us because inevitably in the life of Christians and in the life of the church, there are gonna be times when it appears that God is not keeping the promises we had hoped he would keep. And what this call to praise is doing here is saying, God really does keep his promises. He may not do it in the way we expect. He may not do it in the time we would like, but God keeps his promises, God keeps his covenant. Uh, And especially in the difficult times, we need to return to those assurances. And so here, um, the psalmist is saying to us, remember that God established a covenant all the way back with Abraham. Uh, He began it then, he established it then, he commanded it then, he cut it then, he oathed it then. Um, Over and over again, that point is being made. God knew what he was doing, and he was committed to what he was doing. Uh, And he was committed not just in the beginning, but he was committed to remembering that covenant through the generations. Uh, Again, I think it's very interesting how, from time to time in the scriptures, we're called back to be reminded that God doesn't forget us. Uh, That can be one of the most trying spiritual experiences, uh, to think that what is happening to me or to my church can only be happening because God has somehow become neglectful. Now, we're too pious to uh, incorporate such thoughts in our theology, Uh, But uh, regrettably, we're not pious enough to actually banish them from our minds. And so the scriptures come to help us in those circumstances. God always remembers his covenant promise. He's always working it out, and that's the first point here. There is a covenant promise to which God is committed, to which God committed himself in the most solemn way at the beginning of his covenant relations with his people in Abraham and continues uh, to remember, to carry it out, to assure us that that promise will be fulfilled. And what is that promise? Well, first of all, we can say the promise is that there will always be a covenant people. Um, It's interesting, isn't it, that the scripture names, names. Sometimes we get annoyed with the names that are named. Sometimes we want to skip over long lists of names. Um, That's understandable. Um, But if our name was on that list, we'd be less inclined to skip over it. Um, uh, And the listing of names is to remind us That when we read in scripture that God has a covenant people, it is indeed a group, but it's also a group composed of individuals. Uh, God keeps covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. And if this weren't being recorded, I would be tempted to say if he can keep covenant with those clowns, he can keep covenant with us. Uh, Part of the function of the scripture is to remind us that God keeps covenant with sinners who are in need of his grace. And, And not just with those who are so heroic that their names are recorded in scripture, but we're told here he keeps covenant with a thousand generations. A thousand generations. That's a long time. That's a long time. Um, God is going to remember his covenant in every generation. There is no generation in which he will not remember his people, in which he will not accomplish his purpose, uh, in which the individuals on which he has placed his electing love will not be preserved. And that's what we're encouraged to praise him for, uh, the generations of his faithfulness. And when we sing that David's son will ever sit on David's throne, we're drawn to our Lord Jesus Christ as the one in whom the generations culminate. Uh, The promise to Abraham culminates and is fulfilled in a particular way uh, in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus Christ we see ourselves included in that covenant. Uh, Most of us have no ethnic connection to Abraham. Uh, But nonetheless, through Christ, we are included in that covenant. We are the covenant people. We are the inheritors of the covenant uh, promise. And this should fill us uh, with joy and with hope, even in trying circumstances. And then this section of reflection on the covenant comes to a sort of culmination in verse 11. Uh, What was the covenant promise very specifically made to the covenant people, very specifically, it is, verse 11, to you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. that was the promise made to Abraham. Uh, It's the promise renewed through the generations of Israel. Uh, It's the promise that seems to have been utterly fulfilled in the triumph of David. And now it's the promise that seems at risk with the exile. Um, And what the psalmist is doing here is saying that promise of a place. I worked hard at this, so I don't want you to miss it. There's a covenant promise and a covenant people and a covenant place. Um, That covenant place is assured. Uh, It's it's inherent in the promise given to Abraham. And uh, we mustn't lose heart, this psalm is saying, even if we seem to have lost that land, because that land is is promised. And we know in the context of the Old Testament itself, there will be a restoration. And indeed, we could almost pause and say there seems to be a pattern here. God created mankind with a place, didn't he? A garden. And he lost that place and was exiled. And then God established the land of promise and brought his people there. And they lost that place and were driven into exile. But God is not done with his promise of a place for his people. That place is the land of Canaan. Our dispensationalist friends were not entirely wrong. Where they're wrong is in focusing too narrowly, because the land of Canaan is just part of the place that God will ultimately give his people. Because the God who has promised to have a people and a place we're told in verse seven, is the God whose judgments are in all the earth. And all you diligent Hebrew students know that the word earth there in verse seven is the same Hebrew word as the word land in verse 11. I think there's a rather intentional purpose here uh, to connect the specific promise of a land to the general promise of a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We're still promised a place. Uh, We're now in exile again. Uh, We're now wandering. Uh, Escondido may seem better than the new heaven and new earth, but it's really not. On a day like this, it looks pretty good. But God has promised something even better. The land of Canaan was to be for Israel for a time, a place of safety, a place of abundance, a place of holiness, a place of fellowship with God. But it was only a pointer. It was only a foretaste. It was only an indicator of what God was ultimately doing. He created the whole earth for his people. And in his recreation, there'll be a whole earth for his people in which righteousness will finally dwell and the threat of exile will finally be ended. And all of that promise of safety and abundance and holiness and fellowship with God will be completely fulfilled because of the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so here we do see, even in in those times of struggle, even in those times of apparent defeat for God's purpose, even when the exile seems particularly burdensome and wearying. There's a promise that should lead us to praise that we are the people of God, and that he has a place for us, an everlasting place, and that he knows what he's doing right now. He hasn't forgotten his covenant. He hasn't forgotten his purpose. He hasn't forgotten his people. He hasn't forgotten his place, and he's bringing all things to accomplishment. And one day, when all the elect are gathered, we'll see him return in glory to make all things new. Praise God. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for the encouragement of your word, a word that draws us to look beyond the struggles of our lives, to remember the glories of your promise and the hope that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. For you will not leave us or forsake us. You will not abandon us. You will not fail to accomplish your purpose. And so, O Lord, we do pray with all the saints in all ages, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But we also pray that uh, in the meantime, you will use us to hold up the light of the gospel in a dark world. Help us, O oh Lord, and bless us, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright twenty seventeen, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not church.